This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to look with me in Mark chapter number 8 this evening. And uh, we'll, we'll begin reading here in Mark chapter 8 in uh, verse number 22. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and uh, they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Verse 27, And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea, Philippi, and by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth, and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that we can come once again together into your presence and into your word, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher tonight. We pray that the Lord Jesus would be glorified and magnified, and that our hearts would receive the truths of your word, that you would speak very clearly to us by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We've been looking at this chapter we began this morning And I gave you this title. It's the thought that's been on my heart this week as I've read this chapter. And the title's quite simply, Slow Learners. Slow Learners. And we found this morning that the disciples, uh, they were the slow learners. The ones who knew the Lord, uh, the ones who were following him, the ones who were ministering uh, on his behalf uh, were slow learners. Uh, We noted in the beginning of this chapter the the feeding of the 4,000. This is the second miracle where Jesus took bread and fish and blessed it, broke it, and multiplied it and served it to the people. Uh, Here he didn't have five loaves and a few small fishes. He actually had seven and a few small fishes. And we see that as he approaches this opportunity to minister to the people in verse number two of mark chapter eight he said i have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat and if i send them away fasting to their own houses they will faint by the way for divers of them came from far and his disciples verse four answered him from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness hence the title slow learners because It hasn't been that long in their ministry when they were with Jesus 
as he fed the 5,000, as he took the little lad's lunch, the five loaves and the two fishes, and he fed the multitude. Now here they are, having obviously forgotten, or at least maybe they didn't forget the events, and maybe they didn't forget it actually happened, but they certainly forgot it in the moment uh, of this crisis or this need. And, and they, were, they were not focused upon him, but upon their own inability, their own insufficiency in light of the tremendous need. In verse number 5, he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. Again, here he is, the Lord Jesus, uh, pointing out to them the insufficiency of their own supply. Perhaps as he did that, he did so uh, not only to point out to them the insufficiency of their supply, but to help them to, to provoke their memory, to stir in their soul the fact that they needed to look to him and the abundance of his supply. Uh, nevertheless, we don't see that they saw that, and the Lord Jesus commanded the crowd to sit down, and he broke and blessed the loaves and fishes, and he fed the multitude. And the Bible says that they were all filled. So we saw, uh, number one this morning, that Jesus refreshed the people. He refreshed them. Then secondly, we saw that he resisted the proud. That's the group of the Pharisees who are introduced to us in verse number 11. They come forth and begin to question with him. It's not that they're seeking answers. They're seeking of him a sign, tempting him. They want Jesus to perform a dog and pony show for them. They want Jesus to do tricks for them. They want Jesus to submit uh, not to the authority of God the Father, but to submit to their authority and get in line with their agenda. But we understand that their agenda was full of corruption and darkness and inspired by Satan himself and not by God. They were proud men. And so uh, they sought to fashion Jesus and have him act according to their fleshly desire and their worldly wisdom and, and when confronted with him in verse number 12, the Bible said he sighed deeply in his spirit, and then he left them. He resisted them. The Bible said God resisteth the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. The humble, of course, we found in verses 1 through 9. The, pride we find, the, proud, the proud, rather, we find in verses 10 through 13. And so while he refreshed the people, he resisted the proud. And then we find him in, in verses 14 through 21. He reproved the disciples. Jesus reproved the disciples. Verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They're, they're on a journey. They're going back across uh, the water under the other side of the sea. Verse 15, and he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. We understand that leaven is used to signify in the Scriptures. It is used to signify evil. It is used to symbolize sin. We understand the Lord Jesus gave the parable and said, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so we understand that the influence of evil and the influence of sin, it can affect a whole group of people. And the Lord is, is, is warning them here concerning the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy and the leaven of Herod, which is compromise and, and worldliness and pleasure. And both of these groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians, had power, and they, they wanted to protect their power. 
The disciples were given to the temptation to seek power. Remember uh, when they were arguing over who was the greatest. And, of course, James and John's mother asked if her boys could sit on the right hand. You know, it, it, it always turns into something like that when our pride is hurt, when we, we seek power, we seek position, we seek recognition. And so the Lord is warning them of that, that propensity, that, that potential for sin to get in and leaven the whole lump. He, he's warning them, but they do not see this warning. They do not understand it. Uh, notice in verse 16, and they reasoned among themselves, it is because we have no bread. In other words, he brought up the subject of leaven because we don't have any bread with us. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many basket full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, and they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? So he is reproving them here because of their, their, their faithlessness, because of their forgetfulness. He is reproving them. He is, he is, He's showing them that they have not yet learned. Remember, he has introduced a question to them uh, back in verse number uh, 5 when he asked them, how many loaves have ye? He's, he's putting them to the test, and they're failing the test. And so he is reproving them here because of their lack of discernment, because of the dullness of their spirit and their mind and their heart toward him and his power. He's worked miraculously in front of them. They've been a part of it. But yet when it comes to the next test, when it comes to the next trial, when it comes to the next difficulty, uh, again, they are in despair thinking that nothing can help and nothing can prevail over their circumstances. And by the way, isn't that the way it is with us? When God has been so faithful to us time and time and time again, and then we come to a trial, we come to a temptation, we, we come to a, a circumstance that causes us uh, some alarm and perhaps some fear, and we don't meet that with faith, we don't remember what God has done, yet we're forgetful and we wonder how is it that we can get ourselves out of the next situation. And hence, they're slow learners. And so we saw that Jesus reproved the disciples. Then we saw uh, number four, that Jesus restored the blind. And this is sort of where we got into a, a little bit of a rush this morning so we could draw things to a close. And I just want us to look at this a little bit more in detail because all along the Lord Jesus has been instructing his disciples. Here in this, in this miraculous uh, restoration of the blind man, giving him his sight again, we see an illustration of what he's been trying to teach them. We see an illustration of the dimness of their own spiritual eyes and their own sight in, in, in the physical blindness of this man. Uh, we see an illustration of his power as he touches this man. And so let's look at it together in verse number 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. 
And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. So an unusual thing happens here. Jesus takes this man from Bethsaida and leads him out of town. I don't know how far of a journey he had to take, but we understand it must have been at least somewhat of a length of a journey because he is leading him out of the town. Why did he lead him out of the town? Well, we're not sure, but we understand in Matthew chapter number 11 in verses 20 through 21 that Jesus began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why? Because they repented not. Verse 21, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So we understand they bring this man to Jesus, but he's in, this, he's in a faithless city, a city that, that has rejected largely the ministry of Jesus and the person of Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus leads this man out of town and performs a mighty miracle in his life. And so we see that as he's led him out of town, he spits upon his eyes. I, I don't know exactly how all that transpired, but he did so. And the man who could not see obviously felt uh, the, the, the saliva of the Son of God as it, as it made contact with his face, as it made contact with his eyes. Again, he can't see. And so... He, he only experiences from the feeling that Christ is with him, leading him by the hand, and now, now uh, touching his eyes. He, the Bible says he put his hands upon him in verse 23. And so the Lord Jesus begins to minister to him. Then he asks him, do you see anything in verse 23? And the man looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, it might be that this man was already at one point in his life able to see and perhaps had lost his sight. We don't know if that's exactly true, but he's able to describe a tree, uh, which would lead us to believe that he has at one point seen. And so he says, I see men as trees walking. And so we see the, uh, the, the fact that the, this man, though he had sight, he had a sight that was partial. He, he was not able to see clearly. Uh, things were a bit foggy for him. And then we find that Jesus touched him again and commanded him to look up. Notice again in verse 25, after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. He is calling the man to look to him in dependence and in faith. And though his sight's not clear, it was there nonetheless. And so he asked the man, look again, look again. This sight that he had, though it wasn't clear, it was there. Now, you might imagine there could have been some reactions that this man could have had. For example, he might have said, well, uh, you gave me sight, but it's not good sight. It's not clear sight. It's, it's not complete sight. And he might have lodged a complaint. Or maybe he could have said, I don't see very clearly. I'm going to another physician. Now, that would have been a big mistake, wouldn't it? 
And Jesus invited him to look again, to look for a second time. And this man, because he had no sight prior, now he has some sight. Obviously, it, it, it is in his heart to look again to the one who had given him sight. And when he did so, when he looked again, when Jesus touched him yet again, he was restored and saw every man clearly. So we see the progression here of his restoration. The progression. The progression was that he touched him once, he had sight. It wasn't clear, he wasn't able to focus, it was foggy, but nonetheless he had sight. After describing what he could see, the Lord Jesus invited him to look again. He looked again to Jesus. Jesus again touched him, and now he has clear sight. Here we see a progression. And this is a progression that describes for us the progression that we need in having spiritual vision. Remember now, the disciples, Jesus asked them uh, in uh, verse number 18, he said, having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember. Now he is demonstrating for them his ability to, to clear up the fogginess of their vision, to give distinctness, distinctiveness to it if they will simply look to him, that he will help them, he will clear some things up in their minds. And it's amazing that though they had vision, how little they really could see. And that's obvious to us because they asked the question in verse 4, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And so the Lord Jesus, as, as, as he bears with this man, and as this man continues to bear with Jesus, we see that he is restored completely and he sees clearly. The progression of restoration and then the picture of restoration. And we have the picture. The picture is given. The illustration is made in, in vivid detail, and the disciples begin to see, hey, we're the ones who... Are, have sight, but it's foggy. We, we don't quite get it all. We don't quite see it all. But we see that if we bear with Jesus and as Jesus is patient with us, that he will continue to touch us and he will continue to make things clear in our lives. And there are times when our vision gets pretty foggy, doesn't it? There are times when we wonder, what's the Lord doing? There are times when we, we, we are bewildered by, by circumstances, when we're bewildered by our interactions with our own brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, when, when we get bewildered by what we see in the world and, and the wickedness of it, and we wonder, what's going to happen? When the news comes about somebody that we love who has a disease or has a terminal illness or a circumstance that... Uh, has gone contrary to what we expected. There are times when our vision gets pretty foggy. And it is in those moments that we cannot turn away from Jesus. We must continue to look to him. We must continue to sit in his presence and allow him to continue to minister to us and look again to Jesus and look again to Jesus and look again to Jesus and never turn away from Jesus and allow Jesus to touch us and allow Jesus to make everything clear in our lives. And he will. And he will. The Bible said, now we look through a glass dimly, darkly, but then face to face. 
And oh, how a change in perspective will come to our lives when we see Jesus. And so we see the picture here. This blind man was a representation of them. He had sight, but it was not full. It was not complete. But the Lord Jesus touched him again and made it complete. And so we see here the progression of restoration, the picture of restoration, but then we see also in this miracle the patience of the restorer. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a patient teacher? He, he, he's a very patient instructor. I, I, I mentioned this morning that uh, when, when, you, when your children all have different abilities and different gifts and they, they approach uh, subjects, academic subjects, some approach them just the way you would, but others approach them differently than you would. And I remember uh, trying to help one of my children do some math homework and what looked very obvious and clear to me did not look so obvious and clear to them. And as I began to get a little bit frustrated and asked the question, how is it that you don't understand? My wife gently reminded me, and it wasn't as gentle as I described, that not everybody sees things the way I do. Hey, by the way, What's obvious to you isn't as obvious to everybody else. Just because you've advanced to a point in your Christian life in one area doesn't mean that everybody else is where you are. And we need to be careful when we begin to look at people from our perspective and our vantage point and wonder why they haven't arrived to the point we have. And then we fail to see where they have arrived ahead of us in other areas and we fail to see where we've come short in those areas. But I'm glad that in the midst of all of it, Jesus is patient. He's patient. I mean, there's example after example after example of how the disciples doubted him and, 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 and forgot uh, of his faithfulness and, and questioned him, and yet the Lord patiently bears with them, and I'm glad he patiently bears with me, and I know you're glad he patiently bears with you. Patience of the restorer. His patience is seen in the instruction, and his patience was seen in the illustration that he gave, the healing of the man. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 11, he said, How is it that you do not understand that I spake not to you concerning the bread, that you should beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then, understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You see, just questioning them, just challenging them on this point, saying to them, how is it that you don't understand? Remember, they're not lifting their head above the physical and the material and the temporal. They're thinking about bread. I mentioned this morning we're all preoccupied on a daily basis with what we're eating today. What's for lunch? What's for supper? What's for breakfast? Let's have coffee. And we're thinking about those things. And when the Lord challenged them, notice what Matthew said in verse 12 of chapter 16, then understood they how. Hey, because he challenged them, because he confronted them with their lack of spiritual discernment and vision, because he challenged them, 
it stirred them and awoken, awoke something in them to perceive and understand. He's not talking about the bread boys. He's talking about the dangerous doctrines of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. We don't need to allow that to creep into our lives, into our hearts. And so as he bears with them patiently, as he instructs them and as he illustrates it, he illumines their hearts and minds to it. By the way, don't ever be a person, don't ever allow yourself to become a person who will not receive instruction, who will not receive reproof. And may God help us to be willing to receive reproof when it is given. When it's given in a loving spirit, when it's given from someone that we have confidence in and we know who loves us. May God help us to receive instruction. And then we see the last thing here that I want to call to your attention, and that is Jesus revealed his person. Jesus revealed his person. Now, the test has been administered, and they're not doing really well. And the Lord is allowing them to take a makeup test. Aren't you glad when the teacher is merciful? Look, the point of the exam is not to fail you. The point of the exam is to instruct you, to ensure that you're getting it so that you can pass. Jesus doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to pass. And so here he is. He's continuing to give them an opportunity to, to pass the exam. Notice in verse 27, and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, not this time, how many loaves have ye? But he asked them this question. Verse 27, whom do men say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And so the disciples began to answer, well, some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already been beheaded, so the people thought Jesus was John the Baptist. Remember, Herod thought this. John the Baptist, Jesus was John the Baptist, raised from the dead, they thought. And then they said, some say you are Elias or Elijah, and others one of the prophets. In fact, in, in Matthew's record of this, in Matthew 16, uh, they said that some thought he was Jeremiah. And so the, as far as the, the people were concerned, who, who was Jesus? Well, he's one of the prophets. Now, we understand that Jesus was a prophet, right? But he wasn't one of the prophets, was he? No, he was the prophet. Uh, he was the priest. He is the king. Not just one of the prophets. Now, that question had an answer, but it wasn't a complete answer. It wasn't a correct answer. You can't argue that he's not a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. And so the Lord Jesus asked another question, a follow-up question in verse 29, and he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, thou art the Christ. He got it right, didn't he? Thou art the Christ. Who is the Christ? He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. Thou art the Christ. 
In Matthew chapter 16, when Peter gives this response, he, he says in verse 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, this revelation of my person, it did not come to you based on your, your personal knowledge. It, it didn't, although his personal knowledge was used by God, uh, it, it did not come to you uh, because you investigated all the facts and you've decided for yourself. No, something uh, amazing happened. Something supernatural took place in your heart and mind. He said, uh, Blessed art thou, uh, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, he revealed it unto you. You see, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you've confessed him as the Son of God, let me tell you, it's not because of your own investigative journalism. It is because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It is because the Father has revealed the person of Jesus Christ to you. God intervened. God revealed to you the Son of God. God illuminated the hard, cold, dark hearts of man. God lifted the scales from our blind eyes and allowed us to see Jesus. Jesus revealed his person. And Peter, when, when confronted by the question, gave evidence of the fact that he had arrived at the right conclusion. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, having instructed them patiently and illustrated this truth powerfully, Jesus Christ illuminated their hearts and minds personally. The light came on and Peter saw the truth. And the truth he saw was revealed to him by the Father. Jesus said in John 6, 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. You can't just determine, I think I'm going to get saved today. No. It doesn't work that way. You have to be drawn by the Father. God has to draw you to himself. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There came a day in my life as a seven-year-old boy when I heard the message of the cross of Jesus, his death upon the cross for my sin, the fact that judgment was coming to me. I was a sinner worthy of hell. And in that moment, Jesus was lifted up, and God the Father drew me unto him. An invitation was extended, and I responded to that invitation. I went forward in that service. I talked to an adult who was there to make sure that all the children who came forward understood what they were there for and, and what they were doing. And I remember a, a lady kindly dealing with me, and I don't remember every word that she said and every word that I said, but this I do remember. I told her that I knew I needed to be saved, and I knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And God the Father drew me that day to his Son, and I answered with Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the Bible says in, in Matthew's record, in, in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus makes a comment here that is a very important thing for us to note. In verse 18 of Matthew 16, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
It's not that Peter was anything special. It's just that Peter responded to the revelation. And here's the revelation. The revelation is the rock. The acknowledgement of the revelation is the rock that the church is built upon. And that is the acknowledgement, the confession, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And friend, that is why we have a church tonight, because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he's revealed his person. And having understood that, I, I doubt there is anyone in our church tonight, in fact, I would be shocked if there was anyone in this church tonight who would deny that that is true. But let me ask you a question. Having made that profession or confession, having received that revelation, what does that mean to you beyond your salvation? If he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then is he not our sovereign Savior? Is he not the one that we should serve? Is he not the one whose voice we should obey? Is he not the one whose steps we should follow? Is he not the one that we should serve, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Is he not the one that we should continue in his presence, acknowledging that our vision is not always clear, it is not always right, Oh, we, we get so bold, don't we? Let me tell you the way I think it ought to be. Let me tell you the way I see it. Oh, friend, we need Jesus to touch our eyes and remove the scales and give us clear vision. And usually our vision is foggiest when it comes to examining our own lives. We're really good at being precise in dealing with other people, but not with ourselves. And may God help us. May God help us. We're slow learners, aren't we? We're slow learners. But Jesus wants to bring us to the all-important question. And the answer to this question determines the answers for all other questions. Who am I? Lord, you're the Son of God. And I, I humble myself before you. I acknowledge my sinfulness before you. I continue to look up to you, and I, I desire to sit in your presence. I desire to receive your touch because I'm still foggy in my sight. I need clarity. And as God confronts us with who he is, we're confronted with the need of our lives. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.